I'm your host, Isaiah Copon. It's June 28, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn episode 92. In this episode, I'll talk about choosing between a full body split and body part split routines. So I'll just talk about which one is a better idea, depending on how frequent you plan on working out throughout the week. And then I talk about what to do if you have some shoulder pain or impingement while bench pressing. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. Something that I've been talking about a lot lately, one of the keys to long-term gains if we're talking about muscle or strength gains and possibly the frequency you'll be able to actually go into the gym to train, one of the biggest factors here is something called active recovery and this could potentially help you in a big way. So what is active recovery? It could mean a bunch of different things. If your legs are sore, let's say from a brutal leg day you just did, maybe you pushed yourself a bit harder than usual, if your legs are sore, the best thing to do might seem like resting up and lying down all day, waiting for your body to heal itself. That's actually pretty much the complete opposite of what you should do though. What's actually going to help a lot more is getting blood flow to that area, so that means in this case, after a leg day where your legs are sore, Active recovery means just some light activity, something like walking. That's going to actually help you feel a lot better and will help dissipate some of that soreness. And I'll circle circle back to this one in a bit. A few weeks ago, I talked about how walking is one of the most underrated forms of exercise out there. Most people think they won't gain anything from walking in terms of health benefits or looking and feeling better. And I'm ashamed to say I used to think this way also as a young trainer, but it's actually the complete opposite effects. It will help you look and feel better physically and mentally, plus it'll help with the whole recovery process. This is a lot better than inactivity, aka resting and completely sitting still or lying down. You have to keep the blood flowing. This is what helps your muscles recover and rebuild from the stress you put on it with whatever form of exercise you may have done. Of course, if you're super sore or injured, you may have to actually rest it, but when you're able to move around, you should do so to strengthen that area if it's an injury or get the blood flowing if it's just your typical muscle soreness. You should be doing some kind of active uh, active recovery on your off days at the very least. Don't just sit around. That's the bottom line here. And same goes with upper body also. After a chest or shoulder day, you might notice that those areas are just tight, and when you move your arms, you're lacking the range of motion that you normally have. Again, avoiding it just slows down the process. Light movement, even something as simple as arm circles. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why I'm having such a hard time saying that today. Arm circles or arm swings across the body will help. Perform those movements slowly and control that first, even just for a few seconds, 
And you'll notice that your body just naturally uh, relieves itself of a bit of that soreness. It has to do with the central nervous system relaxing a little bit. With active recovery, you'll notice reduced soreness and you'll eliminate those toxins and lactic acid buildup you may have in some areas post-workout. So after a workout, stretching could reduce the amount of soreness you'll feel afterwards, maybe a little bit. Research on that one is debatable, but I personally think it helps a little bit. Foam rolling could also help you there. If you have access to a pool, that's actually a great way to relieve some of the pressures on your body. Circling back. Okay, this really stood out to me last year, actually. I got into golfing because of the pandemic last year when the gyms were closed. Since the gyms were closed, though, I'd spend some time outside running, doing sprints. I'd sneak onto the track across the street, which was closed, or onto the basketball court just to get up some shots and run around, basically. I remember one time early on I was doing these sprints. I went pretty hard that day, and my legs were sore after that. Because I didn't run much at the time, my legs were so sore because I hadn't ran with that much intensity and speed in a few years. I just had to do something active since everything around me was closed at the time. Well, it was similar to that leg day feeling. So later that day, and especially when I woke up the next day, the thing is I had golf the next morning. So when I woke up, my legs were sore. It was like I was walking in quicksand that morning. So I figured I was going to just cancel because I was just feeling that sore. Long story short, got to the golf course, legs were still sore, stretched them out a little bit. And after like 10 minutes of playing, I think I got through two holes and my legs actually felt pretty normal. Keep in mind that my legs were really sore. Like I had to hold on to the railing when I was going down the stairs. It was that bad. But something as simple as just walking around for about 10 minutes, this light activity, the soreness actually started to go away and I was able to walk pretty normally again after a few minutes. That's the benefits of active recovery right there. I know for sure if I had canceled and not gone to play golf, my legs would have still been feeling super sore and heavy, but because I got up and moved, did some light activity, that actually helped so much with the recovery process, it sped it up basically. I could have lied down the whole day and still been sore the next day, but the fact that I got up, walked around, did some light activity and movement to stimulate the blood flow in that area, that did wonders for me. Everyone should be doing this, but it's something that most people neglect, even me included. There are times where I'm super sore and don't feel like doing anything, but that's usually when you need to do it the most. When you really don't want to do something, usually what'll help is doing the opposite. So in terms of getting up and moving, sometimes it'll be good to just do what you enjoy when it comes to active recovery. This could help when it comes to actually getting up and actually doing something, choose something you enjoy doing and just go do it. Even if you just spend five or 10 minutes doing it, you may already start to notice some of that soreness go away. That could get you started, as opposed to just sitting around watching Netflix all day. So if your legs are sore, that could mean taking a quick walk around the neighborhood, maybe the treadmill if the weather is not great outside. Biking could be great also, anything to get your legs moving. If your upper body is sore, you could skip rope or something. At least there's some sort of shoulders and arm movement there a little bit. If your upper body is sore, you'd be surprised how very little movement will be actually beneficial for you. Super light activity could just be doing arm circles or arm swings. I said that already. Maybe some push-up variation helps as well. Even doing push-ups against a wall could help you beat some of that soreness. 
I was talking to somebody just yesterday about swimming. That's another great light activity movement that affects your whole body. Now, if you're not used to swimming and end up pretty uh, swimming pretty hard for an hour or something, you may feel some soreness all over your body, like your obliques or something, but keeping it nice and easy, maybe for 10 to 20 minutes, that's a full body active recovery type of movement that I'm talking about. Maybe this will be the summer I can improve on my swimming because I'm only kind of good at doing a doggy paddle. (laughs) Anyways, this leads into something that could be even more beneficial for you, which could mean doing some mobility work specific to whatever area you're feeling some soreness. Or you just have a rest day and you want to just do something active without actually getting in a full workout. If you're already someone who walks a lot or is just a highly active person, you probably need to be doing the opposite of whatever you tend to do. That might mean some meditation practice or mobility exercises or even a chill yoga session and not just some hardcore two-hour power walk. Sometimes getting out of your comfort zone will be beneficial too because you're reaping those benefits from something you don't regularly do. Okay, so enough about that stuff. Getting to my own training. I had a pretty fresh start this past week, had six days off, started again this past Monday. Strength stayed pretty much the same with the time off. I didn't do much exercise while I was away, but managed to play a few rounds of golf, which is great, you know me. A little change of scenery there in terms of exercise and playing on different courses, obviously, than I'm used to. Of course, I brought my clubs with me on my little vacation, managed to play two rounds of 18 with the fam, shot my best round ever. I think I mentioned it, but I got new clubs last week, some old ones from my uncle, but they're still from 2012, so they're pretty damn new. I played pretty well with them, shot a 93, so I broke 100 for the first time, which felt awesome actually. Must be the clubs, or it could have been the shoes maybe. So what happened was, after the first day of golf, we went shopping at this outlet, and I went into the Nike store, I had one mission, just to get some golf shoes. So when I got in there, made a beeline for the shoes at the back, I went to look at the shoes that were in my size, I was scanning everything until I saw these black Roshi G-Tour golf shoes, perfect fit, size 10. On the box, they were listed at $89.99, which is already sounding like a pretty good deal, but after some shopping for some other items, and then when I went to the counter, the shoes were actually like $57, plus another 20% off or something, so they ended up being less than $50, so it was an absolute steal. And when I played with them the next day, that's when I shot the 93, which was cool. There were also a bunch of deer just walking around on the course, eating some plants, going about their business. It was pretty cool. Saw about four of them, and we just didn't bother each other. They let us play golf. We let them eat without bothering too much or bothering them too much. I mean, we took a few pictures, though, but that's about it. There's still definitely room for improvement in my game, but I think it should be a pretty good golf season. Just got to find some consistency there. So I got some golf shoes last week, and I also got some baseball shoes earlier today, actually. Uh, They were also only $50. (laughs) I love it. It's my first pair of shoes that I've bought in a few years that actually aren't Nike. I got these Mizuno ones, and that's really taking me back to when I used to play baseball, because I used to wear Mizuno shoes, and the first baseball glove I ever got was also Mizuno. Tonight, I'm headed out to play some softball. Ridiculous game times, though. We play a doubleheader at 8.30 and 9.45 or something, which is usually my bedtime, so we'll see how that goes. I might have to take a nap in between games or something. 
But yeah, back to normal training for me. But June actually is going to be a tough time training consistently without distractions. But I don't think that'll affect progress too much actually. Next week I'll have some time off again, but July should be a solid month of training. And even this month, honestly, even though I'm only going to have steady training for 50% of the month, I'm still making those days count when I am in the gym. So my training has been less frequent, but that gives me the opportunity to push harder than I usually would. So it's a big test for me. I am reaching the upper limit on most of my lifts, actually. Bench didn't go as smooth as it should have this morning, but that's all right. I actually had to ask for a spot on my last set because I wasn't really feeling confident. I was probably a bit more sore from, uh, or still a bit sore from doing it two days beforehand. Pull-ups, I added some weight there, which is pretty good. Like I said, I really want to bring up my back this year with this bulk. And maybe I'll go through a sick cut for next summer. We'll see. This year, this is probably as lean as I'll get, but... At 170 uh, 170 pounds, this is probably the best I've looked at this weight, so that's something to think positive about. If you're questioning your own training and progress, take pictures every week or so. That way you can compare what you really look like with the progress and muscle you've gained. I've had so many clients come up to me saying that the scale must be broken because they feel like they look really good, but the scale says that it's the heaviest they've ever been, so the scale must be wrong. Then I have to explain for the 50th time that if they're looking and feeling better and getting stronger, there's a really good chance that they've built muscle on their body, which is sculpting their physique for the better. So yeah, you'll add some weight, but this is mostly muscle. She has all of these positives right there. The proof is right there, but as soon as she sees this scale number, she believes she's going the wrong way in terms of weight. Don't just rely on the scale when it comes to showing you the progress you've made. This client literally told me that they feel better, they're stronger than ever, their butt has a nice shape to it now, but she's still getting down or getting upset that the scale is not going in the direction they think they want it to go, and that's a tough hurdle uh, for some people to overcome. And man, I gotta talk about deadlifts for a sec here, because I've been steadily going up in weight for a while now, but I've hit this little roadblock in terms of my deadlifts with my grip. Of course, grip is going to be a limiting factor for most people when we're talking deadlifts. Eventually, you'll likely get to a point where that double, uh, the double overhand grip is just going to fail before the rest of your body does, like before your back muscles give out. So for me, I found that limit to be at 345 pounds for that double overhand grip for three reps. Now, when I strap up, I can get around five or six reps pretty easily, but holding that much weight without assistance and without doing that over-under grip, that starts to get hard over three plates on the bar. On to some sports playoff news. I mean, for a minute before I get into the topics for the week, the Golden State Warriors win the championship, back to dominating the league again, even though they had a tough start to the season. Not much, to left, uh, not much left to say about that one. It's good to see Andrew Wiggins get a ring, his first one. Maple Jordan, representing Canada, let's go, that's pretty cool. He had this Canadian flag during one of his podium question and answer periods. And four rings for Stephen Curry, man, he's just that good. They just shoot threes and win the championships, like Clay Thompson said. And hockey, looks like Colorado could be the cup champs this year. They're up 3-1 to one at the time of this recording over the Lightning in a controversial Game 4 win, which finished up in overtime. Former Maple Leafs player Nazem Kadri he scored. 
I say controversial because after the game, one of the camera angles showed that there were too many men on the ice before the goal, but oh well, can't go back in time, and they're one win away from taking the cup. I mean, these missed calls happen all the time, so it's not really that big of a deal. It just hurts worse for Tampa since they're on the losing end of it in the finals. Question 1. How to choose between full body routine and body part split routines? This is a topic that took me a few years to figure out, actually. Even as a trainer, this is something that took a while for me to put together when training my own clients. In my early days, probably because I was getting advice from YouTube fitness influencers, I figured the best way to train people was to do these body part split routines. So like the typical Monday bench day, international chest day is on Monday, so we gotta hammer it as hard as we can. And then another day of doing back, another day just uh, dedicated to shoulders and arms, and then destroy your legs on one day until you can't walk. This is something I used to do. I remember having these two to three hour Friday push day sessions where I'd bench, do an incline variation, toss some cable flies in there from different angles, do the shoulders from different angles, then finish up with the triceps. And I used to condense that workout for my clients so that we could fit all of that into an hour session. Well, I eventually learned that this wasn't the smartest way to train myself or others, especially if I had an older client who had different goals from me. But like I said, it took me a few years to figure out. So when we're comparing full body routines, which is self-explanatory, we do pretty much the whole body in one session compared to or versus a body part split routine, which could be a chest day in one day, a back day another day, doing legs all in one workout. That's what we're talking about here. Similarly, a push-pull legs routine is a pretty good one, but let's leave that one out of it for today. When we're comparing a full body routine versus a body part split routine, this is going to largely depend on the amount of times you're going to train throughout the week, really. We have to look at training on a weekly basis as opposed to just day by day. The first question I usually like to ask is, how many times are you planning on working out throughout the week? If the answer is three or less, which in my own experience seems to be what majority of people will say, then full body programs are probably going to be the best route for you, in my opinion. That's the best kind of routine I've seen that works with my own clients over the years. And like I said, it took me a while to figure that out. I used to do body part split routines with my clients until I realized that it didn't work that great, especially with limited training days. Now, any kind of routine would have yielded some gains, muscle gain, fat loss, especially if you're new to exercise. But what I noticed the most was that clients would cancel on days or they'd be no-shows on days they wouldn't like to do. So guys don't really want to do legs, but they'll never miss a chest or shoulder or arm day. And that's the opposite with the females. They always wanted to work the legs or build the booty, but didn't really care for doing arms or anything upper body. They never saw the point. So switching to a full body routine, you start to have less of those cancellations because they're likely going to be doing an exercise they enjoy, but also hitting areas they may neglect more, which benefits them in the end. And there's lots of exercises out there to experiment and try out. If you don't like doing an exercise, you don't necessarily have to do it, but it would be good to toss in major movements from those big five movements like a row, a chest press, shoulder press, deadlift, and a squat, at least some kind of variations of those. So it depends how... uh, So it depends on how many days of the week you're planning on training. If you're new to training, 
the least amount of days, like one to three times per week, most likely will work for you even in the long term. Sometimes when a client does come to you though, if you're a trainer, initially they'll want to work out every day. That's what they'll tell you. But when you dive a little deeper and when that uh, initial motivation weans off, one to three days is more the sweet spot. You can always add more days of training throughout the week if, as you become more consistent. But if you start out your training routine, having never trained before, and then you tell yourself you're going to do five or six days a week, that's a huge devotion of your time. It's a huge commitment. And when you lose that initial motivation, that's when you fall off or say like, this is impossible to do because, I mean, you set the bar just so high for you to actually stick to it. You set yourself up to fail by trying to do too much if you're just starting out. So body part split routines. If you're someone who just loves to get in there on most days of the week, they could be a good idea to you uh, for you. If you get in there and do a routine like this, you can go a bit harder for your workouts. You have more time to recover in some cases, depending on how it's structured. A full body routine also means that you're potentially practicing those movements and exercises more throughout the week. If you're doing a body part split routine, let's say you have a chest day, a back day, shoulder day, arm day, then legs, that's four or five or even six days in between body parts. So you're only squatting once, maybe twice per week. So whatever exercise you like to do the most, you're doing it once or twice per week. Backing up now, looking at it from a wider perspective or a larger time frame, that means over the course of a year, you're doing this exercise 50 times or maybe up to 70 times per year on average. Now, if you're doing a full body routine two or three times a week, there's 52 weeks in a year. That means you're squatting or benching at least 100 times per year, even up to 150 times per year, which is nearly double the amount of frequency and practice you'll be getting with those movements. That gives you more chances to perfect the exercises you're going to be doing so they'll Uh, there's going to be more gains to make over time. If you perform the movement better, that's going to translate more to real life. It's going to increase your strength and stability throughout all ranges of motion. In terms of intensity, you can actually back off a little bit when doing full body training because of the amount of frequency you're going to be doing throughout the week. You can have heavy and lighter days because you're activating your muscles so often. If you're doing a body part split routine, you likely do have to be more intense with your workouts because your training frequency for every body part for the week is just so reliant on that one workout. So you may have to do 10 sets of chest all in one day to get your weekly volume in. Unlike a full body routine, if you just do two to five working sets of most exercises on most days throughout the week, that'll be in that adequate range of nine to 20 sets for your muscle groups per week. That's just another reason why a full body routine could be best. Even in my own experience, full body routines do come in handy. I usually do one or two days per week where I do a full body routine because it just works better with my schedule, even though I'm in the gym every single day doing a little bit of something. Full body training gives you a bit more flexibility as well. I mean, if there's a day where you feel like your legs are super sore from squatting, let's say, you can either squat again your next session with a lighter weight or you can do a different exercise, maybe lunges or a hack squat machine, or even leg extension and leg curls if you're really looking to dial down the intensity, and you can treat it as kind of an active recovery day if needed. 
but at least you're still hitting that muscle if you really want to. All that being said, the most important thing to take into account is how many sets per week for every body part you're doing. So the research shows around 9 to 20 sets per body part per week is the ideal way to see changes. I mentioned that already. And you also have to keep in mind that different body parts may need different amounts of volume. You have to find the right dose of exercise for yourself. Now, that's going to be wildly, uh, wildly different from person to person and even body part to body part. Like, your chest could only need 10 sets, but maybe your legs need the upper limit there, maybe 20 sets or maybe even more. This is something where it really does depend on the individual, so you have to figure out and see what really works for you. This could take weeks, months, or even years of experimentation, but don't let that defer you from your training because any kind of training is going to be beneficial if you're training in a smart way. I tend to skip legs, so this is where full body training helps with consistency and not missing days in the gym. Even just a few weeks ago, I took the weekend off training but was super excited to work out on a Monday. So for me, since I knew I was going to hit chest that day, which is something I like to do, I paired that up with doing squats in that routine as well, so that in the morning when I'd wake up early, I wouldn't be thinking to myself, oh man, I gotta get up early, I gotta get up early to hit these squats, I'm thinking now, I gotta get up this morning because I gotta do bench press, that makes it a little bit easier to wake up in the mornings or to go ahead and do my damn workout. And one last thing I gotta mention in terms of recovery Doing the full body workouts, if your workout programming is done properly, you should have an adequate amount of time to recover, actually. It may seem crazy to hit the same muscle group almost every other day, but like I said earlier, you don't have to be as intense with your workouts. You should be able to handle doing two to four sets per body part in these kind of routines, as opposed to doing 10 sets per day or something. That's more stress on your body and could take longer to recover from. Just because you're doing a full body routine doesn't mean the workout has to be two hours or three hours. An hour should be enough time for you to do something like three sets of three to five exercises. So for most people, it's viable because of time and the newness of it all. You really only need around 48 hours to fully recover. At first, you might feel that muscle soreness pretty intensely, but after a few weeks of consistent training, that DOMS you may feel uh, the day after you work out, that starts to not impact you as much over time. So if you're looking to change up your routine a bit, give a full body workout a try. If you want to just get in the gym three times a week and still make some solid progress, it could be a great place to start with your training. It'll be beneficial for everybody, really. Question two, how to deal with shoulder impingement when bench pressing? I don't have personal experience with this, but I've met some people and have trained a few clients who had this sort of problem. First off, if you're looking to build and sculpt the best chest possible, you don't really need to be barbell bench pressing in the first place. There are so many other exercises that can be done to build and grow your chest muscles, your pectorals. You don't necessarily need to use the barbell ever, but if shoulder impingement is a problem that should be located, targeted, and fixed, that takes priority over everything. But if dumbbells don't hurt, do them in the meantime. I don't suggest going too heavy on them because that issue could still pop up, but you could 100% still build a solid physique and gain a lot of strength using dumbbells alone. 
if you have enough weight available. Some, maybe even most, of the pro bodybuilders out there actually prefer using dumbbells over the barbell, so it's really not necessary for you to do barbell unless that's part of your sport, so if you're a powerlifter. Now, if I was talking to this person, I'd ask if any other chest exercises hurt. If not, do the ones that don't hurt. But you still, need, uh, you still need to fix the root problem here, which is that shoulder pain you're feeling. You could be tight in your shoulders, so there's a chance that your shoulder pain could be stemming from your lack of range of motion. But keep in mind that that pain could also be coming from other surrounding areas also, like possibly tight lats, which is a back muscle. Those surrounding muscles that pull on the shoulder blade could cause a lat issue. Seems to be a fairly common one. AC joint or your labrum could be a problem. Rotator cuff is a common issue also. I had to deal with that in the past. That's probably from my earlier years as a baseball player where I had a similar issue in my right shoulder from throwing curveballs for a few years, even though I was too young to be throwing a pitch like that without proper mechanics. But no regrets. Had to do whatever it takes to win the chip, okay? If you're dealing with some kind of shoulder pain and you don't know what's causing the pain, maybe it only happens while performing the actual exercise. So I already mentioned it, but form could also be an issue if we're talking about some kind of pain. A common issue I've seen over the years of spending countless hours in the gym would be not retracting the scapula or having it in a strong position when bench pressing. Usually you'll see people's shoulders come off the bench and they lose that contact off of the bench so you're bringing those shoulders forward. Your shoulder blades should be a contact point along with your feet on the floor, with your butt on the bench, and the back of your head on the bench also. So specifically knowing when the pain occurs could help with diagnosing what to do to possibly fix or correct the issue. But it could be so many possible problems, I probably just can't just cover them all in one episode, so I'm just going to go over some common issues I found. Front of your shoulder could be rotator cuff. Like I said, the form is important here, and it could also have to do with grip width. You should be at a solid position when doing the bench press, of course, and in terms of where your hand should be on the bar, you need to find a spot on the bar so that when the bar is down at your chest or it's on your chest during the bottom part of the bench press, in this bottom position, your forearm should be creating a 90 degree angle against the floor when the bar is on your chest. That would be your strongest position during a barbell bench press for most people. You may have to go lighter to fix this issue. This is an obvious one, which is where your ego could get a check there. I always say form over everything. So if you have to drop 10 or 20 pounds to fix your issue, then do it. And it took many minor and major injuries for me and yeah, many years to figure that out. It's going to be more beneficial for you in the long run because you won't run into that roadblock or injure yourself and have to take a few steps back. Since we're talking about shoulder impingement or some pain while doing the barbell bench press, I'm assuming the pain happens during flat bench. In this, uh, in this case, an inclined variation could be a safer option here. Like I said at the very beginning, other options or other exercises are viable, so they're effective. Especially if you don't have to bench press for a competition or something like that. The inclined variation naturally puts your shoulders in a better position. 
and you do not need to be flat barbell bench pressing in order for you to grow and develop those chest muscles the way you want. If anything, this could be beneficial because a lot of people's chests are lacking that upper chest area, mine included, so I've been paying attention to how much I'm doing the incline bench press over the last few years. Doing the incline press could solve some of those issues. You can either do barbell if it feels fine for you, or even dumbbells could give you a slightly larger range of motion. Something that could also help a tiny bit would be to stretch the opposite muscle. That could help slightly, or it could make it worse. Try it for yourself. So that means like stretching out the rear delts or upper rhomboid or lat area could help relieve some of that stress on your shoulder. Something that I think I just feel like it works, but I'm not sure if it makes sense scientifically or anatomically or whatever. I like to just hang off of a pull-up bar or something like that. I feel like it stretches you out in the right places. A bit of that decompression of the spine makes me feel a bit better. If I feel like the weight isn't moving the right, I mean, the right speed or my muscles aren't firing properly, I usually like to do five to 10 second just dead hangs off of a bar. I think that's pretty much my two cents about this issue. Whatever the problem is, don't just keep thinking that it's a good idea to just keep pushing through it. Obviously, that's not the smartest thing to do. You're increasing the risk of further injury, and something like a pec tear is not easy to get back from. That's a long and grueling process. Fix the root cause of the issue before anything else. Go light at first to make sure the pain is really gone. Try incline presses. Machines could be of use to you as you work through this issue. And that concludes episode 92 of the podcast. Before I go, though, again, thanks for listening, and I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the Lift and Learn podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. <laughs>